A new report says Chicago is the most corrupt city in America and Illinois is the third most corrupt state. That news comes in the same week that President Donald Trump grants clemency to former Illinois Governor Rod Blagojevich. All that coming up on this edition of Capital Cast. Hello and welcome to Capital Cast, a regular podcast of Capital News Illinois. I'm Peter Hancock. Dick Simpson is a political science professor at the University of Illinois at Chicago, and he's been studying political corruption for years. On Monday this week, he and a group of co-authors published a report identifying Chicago as the most corrupt city in America and Illinois as the third most corrupt state. That's not an arbitrary, subjective judgment. It's actually based on data from the Department of Justice, which tracks federal public corruption convictions in every state and all 94 federal judicial districts. The data cover more than 40 years of activity, from 1976 to 2018. During that time, there were 1,750 convictions for public corruption in the Northern District of Illinois, which is predominantly Chicago. That's more than Los Angeles, Manhattan, or Washington, D.C. For the state of Illinois as a whole, there were 2,120 convictions during that time. On a per capita basis, that puts Illinois in third place behind D.C. and Louisiana. We saw that report and thought it sounded interesting, especially given all the corruption-related trials and investigations happening in Illinois right now. So I called Professor Simpson to see if we could line up an interview. Sure, he said. We discussed various times and settled on Wednesday afternoon. Little did either of us know what was about to happen over the next 24 to 48 hours. Before heading west today, President Trump pardoned several white-collar criminals and commuted the former governor of Illinois' prison sentence. Yes, uh, we have commuted the sentence of Rod Blagojevich. Rod Blagojevich was serving 14 years after he was convicted of essentially trying to sell President Barack Obama's open Senate seat for personal gain. That was Tuesday morning, and by Wednesday morning, Blagojevich was back at his North Shore Chicago home, talking to reporters and sounding as defiant as ever. I'm returning home today from a long exile, a free political prisoner. I want to say again to the people of Illinois who twice elected me governor, I didn't let you down. I would have let you down if I gave into this. But resistance to tyrants is, is obedience to God. So that added a timely and somewhat ironic twist to the interview that followed, but Professor Simpson was ready for it. So when we scheduled this, I did not anticipate... I thought you landed with the <laughs> No, that wasn't me. His first full day of freedom. What do you make of that? Well, um... It's not so much the issue of whether Bogoyevich needed, you know, should serve the whole 14 years or not, but uh, having President Trump commute the sentence of the poster boy of Illinois corruption is a terrible timing. We just released a report which showed that uh, Chicago is the most corrupt city in the country and Illinois is the third most corrupt state. We're in the midst of uh, three major scandals that will break. Uh, in court uh, in 2020 and 2021. That's the Burke scandal in Chicago, the Sandoval and lobbyist scandal in Springfield and the red light and other lobbyist uh, activities in the suburbs. 
So you've been tracking this for a number of years now. What do you think is the source of corruption in Illinois? Why is it so much more prevalent here than in other major cities and other large states? Um, We have a history of machine politics. So do the other states that have high levels of corruption like Louisiana and New Jersey. Um, And that history creates a historical climate. Uh, The first corruption conviction in Illinois happened in 1869. The first corruption trial occurred over the Illinois-Michigan Canal in 1848. Um, So this is nearly 150-year history of machine politics and corruption. They go hand in hand. What that does is create the idea that you should bribe me if you want the government to do something for you, and as a government official, I expect you to bribe me. Uh, that uh, attitude uh, underlies all the other corruption, including that of Lodovich. Does it become a kind of generational thing where people grow up in Chicago who maybe their families are involved in government or politics, where they grow up in an environment where internally at least it's considered okay? Well, we have made some progress, particularly with the Shackman lawsuits and the Rutan um, lawsuit, which was... Uh, had to do with uh, the state of Illinois, and we've outlawed patronage. It's now a crime. Um, However, uh, there are a lot of other things that we haven't done, and incrementally no one silver bullet will do it. Another good step that we've taken in the last three years is to require uh, civic engagement classes in both middle school and high school. That had not been a requirement to graduate before. So we can teach the next generation the costs and the history and the solution to corruption. You mentioned the cost. Is there a public cost to this kind of corruption we see? Sure. It's a, we estimate for the state it's about $500 million a year on average that's stolen from the taxpayer. Uh, there are lots of individual cases that I could cite, but to take the Blagojevich example, One of the reasons our pensions are in such bad trouble is he appointed corrupt people to the pension boards. They in turn gave contracts to not necessarily the best qualified people to advise on uh, the investments of the pension. And those people gave a kickback to the people he had appointed and to Bogoyevich directly in his campaign account. Uh, Children's Memorial Hospital was trying to build a new hospital and they were blocked by Bogoyevich with a demand that the CEO give him a contribution for campaign. Uh, that delayed services to children. It also happened at another hospital. Uh, Blagojevich wasn't just, you know, yes, he tried to sell the Senate seat, but he was convicted on 17 counts, and some of them had a bad cost to the citizens of Illinois. Your report mentions Washington, D.C. as a metropolitan area that has a higher per capita corruption rate, maybe because it's the seat of the federal government. It has a higher per capita than Illinois, the state. It actually has a lower number of convictions than Chicago, but they obviously have a much smaller population. So Washington, D.C. is is, uh, such a high corruption rate because the Department of Justice is there. And they also have all those congressmen down the block. And they want to try the cases there next to uh, where their headquarters is. So a lot of uh, federal cases get tried in Washington, even if the people come, like Jesse Jackson Jr., uh, from Illinois. 
Can we tell in Illinois how much of this is the result of corruption in the federal government versus state and local government? I think your report highlights the case of one woman who embezzled from the Social Security Administration. And we also have a couple of cases where postal employees had stolen money from the mail. Um, roughly speaking, it's less than 5% of the cases are, fed, are federal employees. 95% of the cases are city, county, suburban, and state. Can you tell what's the least corrupt state or metropolitan area? Um, we did do that, but I don't have that in front of me. It's not in this report. We've done it in early reports. We've listed all of the states and all of the cities. Uh, there are 95, roughly, um, judicial districts, which is the way the JOC, the Department of Justice, AOJ, uh, keeps the statistics. So it is, that is a calculable number. Generally speaking, our neighbors like Iowa and uh, Wisconsin, uh, even Michigan, are much lower in corruption than we are. Do you think there's corruption out there that we're not seeing that's not being picked up either because it's not being prosecuted or maybe it's corruption that just isn't exactly illegal? Well, they're both kinds. There's moral corruption and there's uh, corruption that comes up to the line and there's a conflict of interest but isn't maybe direct corruption that could be tried in court. In court, you have to show that a public official used their office for their personal gain. The fact that they favored their neighbor would not be a case of corruption unless they got a payoff. So there are many cases of conflicts of interest and moral corruption that don't meet the federal standard for indictment and conviction, but it's still very vast. And it, so our other rule of thumb, uh, which is only a rule of thumb, is for every person that's convicted, there are 10 more who didn't get caught or weren't charged because you have to be tried in federal court. So if we've had 2,120 people go to jail from 1976 to uh, 2018, multiply that by 10, and it begins to be a pretty impressive number of crooks. Do you have any recommendations about how to address this? You talked earlier about reviving civics education in middle school and high school. Are there any other things that can be done from a state level? Yeah, we in my book, Corrupt Illinois, we list eight, and in some of the reports we list another couple, and then there's some very specific ones. Um, so to take the simplest one, um, the, we need better transparency about government so it can be held accountable. For instance, it's impossible for citizens of the city of Chicago to know how their aldermen voted uh, over the last year. It takes 100 hours of our students out here to compile that record and make it work in a meaningful way. Um, there is, it is on the clerk's website, but you can't find it unless you're an expert. Um, so there are a lot of examples of that where there's just data dump onto the internet and that's not uh, doing it from the perspective of the civic groups or the watchdog groups or the average citizen who wants to know is their elected official doing good or bad. Uh, so transparency is the easy one, uh, and it's still a mess. Um, you go down then to more substantial ones like end redistricting, um, give it to a commission to do instead of making uh, so partisan. The so-called fair maps proposal. Fair maps proposal would do it. Uh, term limits on public officials. But there are a number of very specific ones. For instance, in the city of Chicago, Lori Lightfoot has done an excellent job in, in producing new ethics proposals, but the state hasn't. In the state, the 
legislature has a legislative inspector general who isn't allowed to uh, investigate the legislators or their staff. And then when they do manage to do that, they uh, make the report secret so that citizens and journalists never see them. It'd be easy enough to do what we did in Chicago and get a, get rid of the city council inspector general or the legislative inspector general in Springfield. Let the city of Chicago inspector general do the work unfettered and let the uh, executive uh, uh, inspector general of the state of Illinois do the work unfettered. Uh, the legislature has not been willing to do that because they're afraid they will be caught out in corruption. That was University of Illinois at Chicago political science professor Dick Simpson talking about his work studying political corruption in Illinois. That's all the time we have for this edition of Capital Cast. Capital Cast is a production of Capital News Illinois, a statehouse reporting project of the Illinois Press Foundation. Until next time, I'm Peter Hancock, and thank you for listening.